Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. We continue our journey into the wizarding world of Normie podcasts and take a detour to the Chamber of Secrets. It's the Harry Potter franchise on Normies Like Us. Where have you been? Martin Harry? Hello, Hagrid. I'm Why can't it follow the butterflies? Don't be used to death, Red, sir. Don't forget to speak very, very clearly. Diagonally. Welcome back to Normies Like Us. As you heard up top, we continue in our months-long expedition towards the Hogwarts castle. That's right. We are still talking Harry Potter universe here on Normies Like Us with your hosts, uh, a special rare episode where I just get to say my name because one of the characters' names is Colin, and he sucks. (laughs) He's got a camera, though. Yeah, this will be Moaning Michael. Uh, Joe Joe Grid. Like Hagrid would just say Joe instead. There you go. And it's Jaco Malfoy once again. Oh, we're back. Uh, back at Hogwarts. Year back two. Hogwarts. You know, we finished Chamber orientation. We've gotten sorted in the last episode, and now yeah, we're we're back for the second year in the Wizarding School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, whatever. <laughs> Let's do it. Things are going <laughs> to feel right. a little more familiar now, Mike, yeah. where we're settling in. We're talking, of course, if you've listened to our last episode, Jacob's third favorite literary experience <laughs> as a youth. Now, uh, a quick check-in. I got to talk to my dad about Redwall for an entire hour last week oh, after our episode. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy that we're here. Your dad but likes we're Redwall? Talking, no, he does not. He had no idea okay. what it was. But we'll talk <laughs> about I was it. desperately trying to explain uh, why we brought it up so much. In the last episode, but we're here talking uh, probably a lot of people's first literary love. You know, not the third, but uh, we're here. We're talking the second book. We're talking Chamber of Secrets today. Guys, just kind of initial reactions up top. Were you happy to be back at Hogwarts? Uh, Well, for me, I think I said last week that this movie was my least favorite in the franchise. But um, I actually uh, enjoyed it quite a lot this time. And I think that's because um, a lot of times when I do these rewatches, I'll just start on the third movie and just watch from there. So I usually skip the first two. And it was nice to go back and watch this one. I haven't seen it in a while, actually. Um, but it's weird because when I was younger, so I, I owned this movie on DVD back in the day. Um, and for some reason, it was the only one that I owned. And it was, you know, me and my sister would watch it all the oh. time. We had a portable DVD player. You guys remember those? Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, Technology really tech. bypassed. <laughs> that is my... Yeah. Uh, Mr. Weasley would pick that up and be like, so you guys use these forever? And we'd be like, no, we use them for one year because they were <laughs> right. very expensive. On a road trip. Right. So we would yeah. go, yeah, we'd go on family vacations, right? And my sister and I would sit in the back seat and we'd watch this movie like every time. And so I had seen this one more than like any of the other ones. So I think I just kind of got sick of it from from when I was younger. But going back now, after not seeing it in a few years, I actually quite enjoyed it. Wow. All right. All right. Well, you know, last week, Joe kind of described this franchise as something that you just, you know, chill on the couch, cuddle up with a blanket, like, and just kind of, you know, watch it that way. And that's what this one felt like. I mean, after the first movie being two and a half hours, I was really looking forward to a casual <laughs> 245 with this one um but because <laughs> nope. of that it did feel like kind of just a, a sunday afternoon blanket movie like it felt nice watching it even though it's long totally. it was like yeah this is just something you could just chill kick back it's fun yeah I, I enjoyed watching it totally joe how about you 
Oh, same thing. Yeah, I mean, I um, they all blend together, man. I, I said it in the first one, like, these are like sleeping pills to me in terms of mm-hmm. movies. Um, and the first two, I think, are the, the most interconnected. Similar. Yeah. yeah, like I always mix up the end of the first one with the end of the second one. So every time I watch them like on their own, it really feels like I'm watching them for the first time because I never remember what happens. So there is that. They kind of right. have the same ending. I mean, depending on how far you zoom <laughs> they in They all out. do. We <laughs> well, a lot of the three. early ones do. I think they do change right. over time. And we'll get into next week um, the you know aesthetic difference of the third one, which really came in and shook things up. For me, also, this one was like, because I watched it so much as a kid, this is like as memeable and quotable to me as like mm. The Phantom Menace is to a lot of people <laughs> and to me as well. But like, there's just so many line readings in this that are just hilarious to me and just the nostalgia factor it's great all right this was not planned listeners but jacob just broached perfectly into the thesis i wanted to give to you guys watching it this time now we talked a little bit of star wars in our last episode go back and listen to those star vember war sember episodes we're replacing them now with the wizarding world of harry potter um but watching it this time I was so struck by a movie in 2002, keep in mind 1999, Phantom Menace, right before it, Jacob. Why do people like Dobby so much more than Jar Jar Binks? Aren't they the same character? They're they're very similar. I will say, if you're a book reader, you might like Dobby a little more, um, because he kind of just comes in in this one, in the movies. He's he's the breakout character. Yeah, but he's not in some of the later movies. I, I don't think he's in one again until the fifth or sixth movie. But he shows up a lot more in the books, and he's a bigger part of the ongoing story. So um, to just have him come in in this one and be like the Jar Jar and then not show up in the next one, it's like kind of strange, I think, for for a movie-only watcher. I, I, I mean, kinda, I don't hate it, though, because he feels like, um, you know, when you compare him to Jar Jar, like Jar Jar, his, his mischief, like the shit that he does that causes him problems and stuff is all because he's dumb. Dobby's is like uh, almost tongue in cheek every time he does something mean right. and dumb. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the yeah. whole scene in the beginning, like all of it just feels almost like he's like punking Harry Potter. Like he's doing it on purpose <laughs> well, he's to doing like, it give with, him a hard time. Yeah, well, he's doing it to protect Harry. Like his whole thing is he doesn't want Harry to go back to Hogwarts. So he's he sees it as doing it in his own in Harry's own best interests. But he's really just fucking with him and you know, making his life kind of miserable. Um, but he's doing, he has a good reason at heart to do it. I was disturbed by him. I mean, he's like self <laughs> abusive and it's like a little darker. On it, an <laughs> he's flagellating. Yeah. Now, yeah. Mike, he, he's not a Misa Misa Dobby, the house elf. No. So maybe that is where he sort of rises above, but I, you know, a see a fully CGI character that annoys the leads and is kind of the heart of the film. You could see why this time I was watching it and I was like, Ahmad Best, you deserve better, dude. Like, people should be mad at Dobby all the time. I think, spoiler alert, we'll get to it later, but I think it's because of the fate of Dobby that people go, well, actually, I always loved Dobby the whole time. Yeah, mm. I think that's really fair to say, Colin. That that retroactive, yeah. oh, I loved him. Like, if you would have seen Jar Jar get, like, beheaded by the Emperor <laughs> in Revenge of the Sith, I think people would have been like, no, he was always low-key my favorite character. He's the one who saved the Gungdan army in the beginning of uh, Phantom Menace, if you really think about it. But then he gets right. Dooku, Joe, he gets the two lightsabers, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, I would never give you up, Master Anakin. His hand cut off. 
Um, but again, I think it comes down to the the book readers versus the movie only watchers. If you're a book reader, you know Dobby the character a lot better, and so he does become more important. So his his eventual fate does mean more. Um, that's just my take on it, though. No. So it's not for like the filthy fucking casuals, is what you're saying, right? Just for, <laughs> for no, I just think you, it, it's, that character is more endearing if you have read the books because you understand a little better. There's a lot of house elf stuff in the books that gets cut out of the movies, especially in the next couple movies, um, which I'll get into. But for for like Joe and Mike, who might have not have read some of the later books, um, I'll get into it in the fourth. Two weeks from now, specifically, I'll get into it. It's pretty funny. The house elf. Yeah. Lore. I'm excited to talk about Mean Dobby. I don't know his name, but Mean Dobby. <laughs> mean oh, Dobby. creature! Yes, yeah. I do. Creature. Yeah. Yes, creature Jacob. is great. Perfect. All right, well, but there's an entire subplot of the books that is not shown in the movies, which is basically Hermione becomes a house rights house elf rights activist which is completely cut out of the movies. So we'll get into that. Well, we saw how much the droid rights activists really helped Solo. So maybe it'll come <laughs> out in the future. Uh, yes. I realize now that last week I made a, um, a flu powder transition that was anachronistic of the release of the movies. So that should have come in this one. <laughs> so how about we just hop in this flying car for now instead? That's, hey, that sounds well, great, Watch out for that Let's tree. Yeah. <laughs> We're back. We just got whomped by that willow. Whew. Shake it off, boys. Okay. Tom Cruise. We're close. <laughs> We're almost at the castle. Let's keep walking here while we talk the second one. Um, now, we set it up top. It's the return to Hogwarts. It's it's kind of the typical sequel. Everything is juiced up, boosted. You get a lot of great stuff like, you know, Wizarding Duels is introduced. It's like a lot of things that in the first book you go well, what are the mechanics of this world? And she's like, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, I, I right. should figure this stuff out. Um, but I kind of wanted to ask you, Jacob, up top. Now, we, we, well, Mike had said last week when we were doing number one, Sorcerer's Stone, that it's so much these vignettes. You go from the troll scene to this, to that, to that. When I was watching it this time, I was thinking about that, Mike. And my question to you, Jacob, is, it's kind of harder to break up this film into a three act or even just the scenes. Maybe it's because it's more fleshed out, but a lot of it I'm like, oh, they kind of like already figured out the Quidditch drama. Oh, you know, they're, oh, it's kind of about this school stuff now. Oh, it's, oh, they're never really going to open the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, wait, no, 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 they are. They're going to do it at the end. So it's just, it's very drawn out, right? Uh, yeah, well, I think again, that has to do with the li- them trying to literally adapt the books as much as possible to the point where the, every scene it's like, you know, the mandrakes that's in the books, the uh, different, you know, the class scenes with like Lockhart and stuff, that's all from the books. So it may not have been super necessary to be in the movie, but um, I like just seeing those little slice of life of them just doing their thing at Hogwarts and doing, you know, going to class and all that. Yeah. I mean, cause you have to have that just like, Oh, you go to a class, you go to defense against the dark arts. Cause you have a new teacher, but also like in a book, it's like you have scenes where like at the end of each chapter, almost in a book, it's like you would get a, a clue about the mystery. So it's like Harry gets his arm broken just to be in the hospital when McGonagall and them to bring overhear. another kid to overhear a conversation. Right. Uh, a lot of yes. that happening in this, it seems like. Well, that, 
that actually gets into something that I think J.K. Rowling actually does pretty well at, which is um, basically throwing in all these little clues that don't seem important at the time, but by the end of it, the whole mystery, you putting everything together, like in the beginning uh, when Lucius Malfoy slips the book to Ginny. You may not notice that when it actually happens, but it is there, and then at the end, you're like, oh, that's how she got the book. Mm -hmm. So I I think um, Rowling does a good job of just putting all these little pieces together and they might not make sense at the moment by the, by the time you get to the end, it all fits together like a puzzle. Even a character beat, the little Colin character we mentioned up top. He's so annoying. He's a paparazzi. He's following Harry. He's bugging him so much. Then the camera is used as such an interesting device as the way that he doesn't see the basilisk. And you're right. It's like, all right, JK Rowling, you're kind of great at this breadcrumb writing that you do. A little right. relying on red herrings, a little too much, I would say. Yeah. But um, yeah, she does use stuff, at least in, in this story. Like I said, it kind of works. This is the scooby Dewiest one, Mike. Absolutely. And like even stuff like Chekhov's Mandrake, where it's like, you know, everyone's getting paralyzed <laughs> and we learn that they help save people who are being paralyzed. Like, so there's a purpose for them to be introduced and not just like a random creature, you know, which is nice. Yeah. And again, you have to keep in mind the age, the age of the audience this is meant for, right? So to a 13, 14 year old kid, this is like some really interesting stuff, like this whole mystery, putting it together. That's what I really like about this one is the whole mystery of it. For sure. I mean, I think it's interesting that she went on to write like real mystery and detective Uh, books too. Like I think, this is where she really got the the hankering to do that kind of stuff because she was really good so. at the red herring. And even to go further, like she did not have the whole plan for Voldemort and the Horcruxes and all this that we see later, but she does a really good job of retconning things in a way that doesn't make it seem like a blatant retcon where it's like eventually you find out that that diary was one of the horcruxes part of a bigger plan splits his yeah voldemort splits his soul into like seven different pieces and one of those pieces the whole time was that diary so she's able to call back to stuff from way before she even had this whole grand plan but it it makes sense once you see the whole picture since you brought that up, I have a question about uh, a fan theory. Do you think the reason like Harry and Jenny is a thing is because that she was she was affected in this story, oh. and then she kind of mm. knows that his that Harry's part of the Horcruxes in the overall plot as well? Do you think like maybe subconsciously she's attracted to him because? Of that, uh, that Could Voldemort be. energy, mm, but actually, like, like in the book, she's actually has a crush on Harry even before she gets the diary. So, like, and you see it in the movie when Harry shows up at the Weasleys' house and and she's like sees him and like gets like surprised or whatever. But oh, okay. um, I kind of think the eventual Ginny Harry pairing never really worked for me that well. And I think even J.K. Rowling said in an interview that she regrets not um shipping harry and hermione together because that actually makes a lot more sense than like really hermione and ron i guess but um yeah Ginny always felt like tacked on in a way where it's like oh ron's little sister but now she's like a big important part of the later books and she becomes harry's love interest and it just kind of felt it's 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 pretty weird that he's just like yeah i'm I'm gonna start dating your little sister (laughs) yeah like your best friend little sister (laughs) Yeah, you know, I would never do that. Date my little sisters, please. (laughs) Well, I've got that love potion, Joe. Ron's not going to stand up to Harry. He'll just roll over. 
Yeah, I mean, he's I, a cuck, I, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I, it. I hate the idea of Harry and Hermione because that's just, I don't know. I like yeah. the, the Ron, Hermione, and Harry as the Luke, the Leia, and the Han. Like, the yeah, Luke can't I do be like, with the Leia. Right, but they're mm. not canonically brother and sister like they are in Star Wars. No, but, but it's, beyond that, you can't be the like, yeah, I have all of the superpowers, for lack of a better term. And I agree I'm with the you, best Joe. Best at everything, and I get the girl. Yeah, yeah I agree best with you. Girl, be- so to speak, right? Yeah, the Hermione yeah. Harry thing I wouldn't have liked because I like this idea that they just have a platonic friendship, and the Hermione Ron, it's like opposites attract, you know, the dumb one and the smart one and all that. I just never liked the Harry and Ginny pairing specifically. So it could have been like Harry and Luna Lovegood or something, but. Ginny to well, me was never You just mentioned best girl. You just brought up Luna Lovegood. As for <laughs> straight white guys, I don't know why I threw white in there, but uh, heteronormative <laughs> or cisgendered or whatever you would say. I apologize. Nice word. Sure. All um, those things. All those things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Hermione, she's just the sister role. I never wanted that stuff. I always had Cho Chang in my background, Luna Lovegood. Um, I don't Luna know, does end up with girls. Neville, which is a good pairing, I think. Yeah. Oh, is that Again, true? The, the better oh, yeah. couple in the background here. Yeah. Because <laughs> later in the books, they kind Neville's of, ex- er, in the movies and the books, they yeah. kind of expand Harry's friend group, right? So it starts out Ron and Hermione, then we get Neville, Ginny, and Luna become kind of like in the, the Harry circle, right? In the later with the Order of Phoenix and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, they had to do something with Neville and Luna, I guess, so pair them up, the two weird ones or whatever, but. They can do well, weird stuff. Know. They can make cosplay <laughs> and watch anime. Exactly. <laughs> what would cosplay be, be like for a anyway. wizard? I love all those things. Well, Just she wears, Luna wears those crazy glasses. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, it'd be like she might putting wear on a costume. suit, doing your yeah. taxes. Yeah, they do. Like, Ron's dad <laughs> probably for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. cosplay. <laughs> uh, I'm a I love the idea officer. that um, Mr. Weasley is like seen as an eccentric just for just being into muggles. Basically, I love that. Like, well. A joke yeah 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 that's that's good they're like why are you so into studying normies <laughs> He's just fascinated by like concepts like electricity and stuff we get an incredible moment with him up top where arthur weasley kind of comes in defends the children he stands up to lucius malfoy who is our big introduction character in this i would say the three people uh who come in are dobby lucius malfoy so draco's father and Sir Sir Gilderoy, what, Gildart? Lockhart. Gil, Gilderoy Lockhart, uh, the new Defense Against Dark Arts teacher. So yes. opinions on Lucius Malfoy in this up top. I mean, Isaac. I love him. Uh, Lucas Jason is Isaacs, killing it, right? Um, or Jason Isaacs, thank you. Yeah, I love, first of all, Jason Isaac, anytime he shows up in anything, he's great. Like, he's in the bad Star Trek, and he's like probably my favorite part uh, of the episodes that I watched, you know? So it's like... He comes in and he just can kill whatever role. And he's really, um, I love that Like they just get these British actors to come in and just ham it up with these these wizard parts. And he's just yes. going for it. And he's just so evil. It's great. I love it. Yeah, I mean, Lucius is, he's again, like, you know, the evilest evil person. Like you thought Draco <laughs> was bad. Here's his dad. He's right. a huge asshole. He does a great job with it, though. And, you know, just got the same haircut from Lord of the Rings. But, you know. <laughs> that's good I, I do love that he's yeah. fresh off the long Patriot, blonde Mike. hair is the signifier of evil he just walked basically. off changed his coat <laughs> well i love what jacob just said because truly he hams it up so much that when ray finds comes into this he must be like oh i've got to be bigger than that guy <laughs> right right 
And then when Helena Bonham Carter comes in, she's really hamming it up too. Oh, yeah. She never doesn't, though. They love it. Yeah. But yeah, and then Kenneth Branagh as Gilderoy Lockhart, who I see as a very like Trumpian figure, right? Because he just Mm. lies about everything and exaggerates. Yeah. And it's all about image with him, but he didn't actually do any of the stuff. He's just going to exude this kind of confidence. I did. I forgot kind of how fun he is just seeing him fail. It's like watching Carson Wentz every week. Hey, that's big. <laughs> but um, no, seeing Gilderoy and like Snape doing the duel, like he's, you know, lies about him doing the things in his book. He is kind of a, a fun character to see made a fool of and the way that plays out later in the movie. So, yeah, I, I kind of like Gilderoy more than I remembered as like yeah. a character. And it's funny that it's Kenneth Branagh who basically only does either Shakespeare or these super over-the-top roles like him in Wild Wild West. Um, and that's that's always fun. Let's just recast Joe, Dr. Loveless is back. Do you <laughs> love him in this movie? Yeah, I, I really like all of the characters introduced in this one. It, it is – I thinking about it now, I really do like this one more than than the first one by a lot because you – you're laying the groundwork for some of the darker themes we're going to see in the later movies and I'm assuming books. Uh, and you have the idea that like adults are mean or plotting against Harry is something that I like. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's something about it's not just like, oh, this blonde boy is mean to me and we're going to play Quidditch. It's like, no, a wizard Nazi is like threatening you in a public <laughs> place. That's that's pretty spooky. Like I do, I right. do like all of the elements they're bringing in here. Kind of just makes it's not just Hogwarts is the whole wizarding world anymore. You're really getting a vibe for how this whole other totally. space operates. And you get that too with, you know, Mr. Uh, Weasley there being obsessed with the idea of electricity or simple muggle things, even though like, I think he deserves some credit there because they literally used to like shit in their pants. So yeah, I'd be impressed <laughs> yeah. if us figured out how to make like indoor plumbing. Um, is yeah, the function and I love of a rubber duck. Great line read as Jacob said. <laughs> right. And I love the idea with, with Draco and his dad, the, the idea that like Draco's getting like all this idea ideology from home. Like it's kind of this whole nature versus nurture. Like he grew up in this rich, you know, aristocratic evil wizard family. So he's of course going to believe the things that his dad believes and, you know, say that at, at school. Um, but even the idea of like that there's class differences in the wizarding world, like with the Weasleys being very poor and the, the Malfoys are like old money rich, but it's like, you can literally do anything with magic. Why does the concept of rich and poor even exist? Why do you have money? Why is there capitalism? Well, once right? again, when his family is paying to get him on the Quidditch team and they're like, we've got the Nimbus 2001s, One, yeah. <laughs> this goes back to the conversation we had the first one. So someone is just doing extra magic on that broom to make it go faster. New just cast that spell on all the fucking brooms. <laughs> Level the playing Yeah, that's field. what I don't understand. Like, You can make food out of nothing. You can make clothes. You can do anything with magic. So why do they need money? That's capitalism for you. The That's ministry, capitalism the, for you. It's not Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Why don't they just replicate more replicators? Um, the Ministry of Magic is the corrupt one here. But uh, we get uh, a parallel to the scene I mentioned in you know last week's episode where it's like, you know, Malfoy, you know, Draco Malfoy's kind of shitting on Ron, like a used robe and books must be a Weasley. And then that's the exact scene that we get his father Lucius doing 
to right. the Weasleys. So you can tell, like Jacob said, that this is being filtered from the top. And even when they take the polyjuice and they're pretending to be Crab and Goyle, he's just parroting things that his father said, you know. Exactly. And Mike, we get a little look at Slytherin. You know, they take that polyjuice mm-hmm. potion. We get the other side. We get the great joke from Draco. Crab, what are you doing? Oh, I'm wearing these glasses for reading. I didn't know you could read. <laughs> and then that uh, face. Crab and Goyle. <laughs> It's just a great line. Draco is kind of the standout as far as the kids and the acting. Jacob, I oh, thought sure. Daniel Radcliffe a little bit better this this uh, movie. He was better. I mean, all the kids are a little bit older, so they're kind of becoming more independent as actors. Um, I think Ron gets a lot better in this one. He just does like a lot of over-the-top reaction faces and stuff, um, which is, is really funny. <laughs> um, and I think also Ron might just be going through puberty while this <laughs> movie just is shooting. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think all the kids are a little better. <laughs> the, the kids are Ron's like a he's like a bobblehead in this movie. I mean, he just yeah. kind of like you know makes noises and looks surprised and moves right. his head up and down repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fact that he just keeps using his broken wand that backfires every time, it's just like don't use that wand anymore. <laughs> yeah, <buddy. laughs> bro, bro, just, just don't, don't do pull it. the trigger. And they they, they keep that running gag. It, like it literally gets broken in the first act, and it just stays broke right. like the whole movie. But it becomes a big plot point because that's how Lockhart does the memory charm on himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's another little it thing pays that adds off, up yeah. at the end. Check off, and Mandrake. also the reasoning yeah, is genius. like he can't just replace his wand because his pam- family's so poor. Mm-hmm. So it all makes sense if you really think about it. Yeah, I think except the for kids, some things. Yeah, except for the money thing. But I think the kids are a lot better, and and Draco. Man, if you'd played a drinking game where every time he says Potter, like you would die. <laughs> In this movie alone, you would be dead. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like every yeah, two, lines. two hours and 40 minutes of it, Mike. Mm-hmm. It's like every and then other we have, Quidditch. Uh, yeah. And then he we says find his name out, like of course, it's a slur. <laughs> well, we find out, of course, that there is a slur yeah. in the Harry Potter world, which Ooh. is the slur, the M slur, right? For muggle borns. Mm-hmm. I won't say on here, but. Um, That's right. So the, the wizard Nazis have their own, you know, term for the undesirables. So it's really not Ugh. really subtle. Um, you know, it's not a subtle metaphor or anything for what it's really about. But I think for kids, it's it's actually a really good lesson of like, yeah, you know, hating different people because they're different than you is actually bad. Mm-hmm. Once again, we'll use this moment to point out the hypocrisy and J.K. Rowling's own viewpoints on that, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> but again, yeah, we get uh, Hermione being one of the most skilled, you know, witches in the school, quote unquote, despite her upbringing. Like, that's like just clear, clarifies that message to children that it's not about your totally. background, it's just about who you are, and everybody's equal, you know, and I think that's good. Now, Mike, what did you think about the cat look with the polyjuice potion? Would you watch an entire musical where somebody looked like that? I think it needs to be about 30% more creepy, and I want human hands. <laughs> Speaking of the polyjuice potion, no, I want to ask J.K. Rowling, what would happen if I took a polyjuice potion that had a, a girl's hair in it? Oh. Whoa. I don't well, think she has that answer. That would blow her mind. <laughs> she wouldn't appreciate you doing that. <laughs> no, I guess not. Not at all. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, there, so there is in, like bigger stuff too. Like we just said, Polyjuice. We get another Quidditch match. It's expanding on stuff introduced in the first movie and book. Hold on. I want to stay with this riddle for a second, okay. Mike. Now, we're going to meet Mad-Eye Moody with Tom Riddle. <laughs> we're going to meet Mad-Eye Moody at a certain point who maybe drinks Polyjuice Potion every day. So we know there is a precedent to doing it consistently. Yes. If I did it, became a woman, did it every day, got pregnant, and then after nine months stopped doing it and reverted back to a man, would that be possible? Do you think I could have a child? Mm. Well, I don't even know if you could get pregnant because I don't know if it like changes your complete biology or Isn't it's that just what more... you want to know, Joe? <laughs> Colin. <laughs> Oh, question. Question. Isn't that what you <laughs> thought when she turned into a cat? You were like, oh, I could get pregnant off of this. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I didn't. That's the I first thing I thought both of. Both of you were like, okay, so wait a minute. Can I use this to be a girl for a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to confront is, JK with, the, with this question and say, hey, yes. you know, you don't believe in trans people or whatever, but if a, if a guy took a polyjuice potion that was a girl, then wouldn't that, you know... She Wait, clearly believes in trans species, you know, based on this book alone. <laughs> so I mean, come on, transmutation. But that's sure. that's. Yeah. But if that happens, that's actually you have to be go to the the hospital for that. Oh think, so. damn, that's probably where she stands on. Unfortunately, <laughs> I would yeah. I would I would assume yeah. you'd be sterile, Colin. That's just my guess based on All zero right. science. Thank I don't know you, if Mike. it changes your entire biology answer. or if it's more surface level, but. Um, I, you know, you'd have to ask a magic. Well, if think about this, guys. We know from the movie it wouldn't change my voice. <laughs> That's true. Right. So it might just be a surface level illusion or something to make you mm. look like somebody else. Just kind of your outward bone structure, um, yeah. Yeah. But again, speaking about the J.K. Rowling uh, controversy real quick, John Cleese is in this movie. This is the last one he's mm. in. And he just had some recent um, oh, yeah. anti-trans comments. So it's good that, you know, they're together. Two peas in a pod. Oh, but <laughs> he gets cut out after this one, which is for the best, probably. Yeah. Goodbye, Nearly Headless Neck. All right, let's dig ourselves out of this hole. Moving on. So I brought it up before. It kind of takes a minute for the Chamber of Secrets of it all to get going, right? Is that is that bugging anybody else? By the time we get that scrawled message, I mean, we've already been to the bathroom. We've met Moaning Myrtle. Like Jacob said, there's a lot of good breadcrumbs here. But it's also a lot of like, oh, okay, so all that stuff you told me up top, like, it, we're getting to the Chamber of Secrets now, right? Oh, okay, so it is tied together. Oh, it's over? <laughs> yeah, we'd gone to two classes. Well, I think- we'd had a Quidditch match, like, all before, like, the, even the message on the wall. Right. I think it works because um, this is kind of, you know, first year was setting everything up, like Joe said, and then this year they're returning to, to Hogwarts. So they're kind of used to everything now. They're getting settled in. Um, and then this new threat comes along, which is the Chamber of Secrets. And I also like how which is an Harry old and Ron and Hermione, um, every movie, they kind of jump to conclusions. Like they know what's going on. So like in the last one, they're like, Oh, Snape's definitely trying to get the stone, but they were wrong about that. Obviously this time they're like, Oh, it's obviously Malfoy is the heir to Slytherin. And we know this. So we're going to first prove it using the polyjuice, but then obviously they're wrong again. Again, so they have the right idea. As she said, 50 school rules to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're troublemakers, but they always have good intentions, but they, you're right. You're right. A thousand points to Gryffindor. (laughs) (laughs) Huzzah! Gryffindor wins. Um, Yeah. You drug your classmates. A thousand points to Gryffindor. You roofied Gravigoyle. (laughs) You did it. Great job. But that's like Harry's sense of judgment. It's like he knows what's best, so he's going to go out and fix everything, even though he's a second 
second year student and there's probably a lot more, you know, qualified wizards that could be like the staff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that brings up another point to me. It's, it's the second year. Uh, First year is pretty eventful. Second year, not, not off to a great start. Is there like a a public school that Harry could go to to learn (laughs) wizard and witchcraft? Like, is the only option a place where every other day someone's going to try to like murder you? When do they? The only option in England, because as we find out later, there's like all these different schools, but they're all in different countries, so they're all you know stereotyped to their specific country. So if you're in England, you have to go to Hogwarts. And also a quarter of our students are evil and being raised from this evil ideology of Slytherin, right? But that's normal in the Equal opportunity, world. Yeah, education, no child left behind, you know? Um, so if they right, went to like, just like how the, it would be chill. The story yeah, of the, wooden clogs. You know, the school, like the history of the school is like, yeah, one of the four founders was like super racist and like, you know... <laughs> But we're still going to, you know, celebrate him as one of the founders of the school. Put up a so. lot of money to, you know, donate to this. <laughs> hey, Jacob, yeah. 50% of this country votes for a racist and we have to fucking put up with them. You don't think Trump would go like, and you're putting my name on one of the houses? <laughs> and they'd be like, ah, oh, Trump house. Right. It's a right. big wig. Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting school. Back to Joe's point, though. It's like, yeah, a lot of danger. But it seems to me. A lot of the shit starts really hitting the fan once Harry shows up, which is kind of what Harry responds to Malfoy when he's like, what's the worst thing that ever happened to this school? He's like, no, it's Harry Potter. Because really, that's when it becomes more dangerous for all the student body. Right. Out, yeah. If you, you just know. saw the if you just saw like the perspective of some random student just going about their day and they see this fucking guy, Harry Potter, come in and all this trouble follows him. Everywhere. Star of the football team. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's just like fuck that guy. Like I'm just trying to do my I'm just trying to do my wizarding homework. Now there's murder happening at, at school, and I am <laughs> yeah. kind of concerned. Yeah, and right. at, to your guys' points, the faculty should step in. But Jacob, this is this is our last Richard Harris movie, right? Unfortunately, okay. yes. Oh wow, you say unfortunately. The one Dumbledore scene where he just walks into the hospital and he's like, "Tell everyone we're in danger." I was like, "Oh, he died right after he said yeah, that he's line." A he a is so old. old. Oh, yeah. he's looking bad, Jacob. <laughs> so the idea that Dumbledore could even stop what's going on? No, he's about to reincarnate like that phoenix. Like he's he's got other things going on. It's a shame we had to see him on yeah. a burning day, right? Right, but it, yeah, and then you know, in the next one, we'll get Michael Gambone, who has a little bit of a different take on Dumbledore. He's a little more intense. Um, there's a famous meme Where's a of, different hat? Of, of Goblet of the Fire, where he's like, "Did you put his name in the Goblet of uh, Fire?" Yeah, oh, yeah. Just like not how I would imagine that you know line being read, like when I read it in the books at all. But I believe it says calmly <laughs> in the take. books, but we'll we'll get yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> whisper. Yeah, um, the staff definitely has issues with how they're responding to this crisis because their their whole solution seems to be just go to bed earlier and <laughs> <laughs> a little hands off <laughs> yeah. yeah just wait till the third one we when our criminals break again and they're like just stay in your room just stay in your room but yeah. to uh, another point there's another faculty member joe brought him up earlier with his name this is sort of the hagrid origin story that mm-hmm. we get so it's cool to see that character developed a little more we get the background of what you were hinting at jacob why right. he isn't allowed to use a wand yeah, we talked about it last week. He has his wand hidden in his umbrella because he was technically, he was expelled from Hogwarts as a student and he's not allowed to do magic because he never graduated wizarding school. 
Um, but obviously Dumbledore was the one who saw through Tom Riddle's lies and believed in Hagrid. So he kept him on as the, the groundskeeper. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Jacob. So the hierarchy of bums at that school, by the way, <laughs> there's Filch, who's like the janitor. Now he's, yes. what, what do they call his type of people? If you're born he's to a, a magical a family, but you, he's a squid. Yeah, so he's the he opposite cannot of a do mu- magic. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That's a great Which is way really to really the that. worst situation to be in because you just have to watch everyone else do magic all the time, but oh, you can't do it. Oh, and then they expect it, you to still... clean the school, you bastards. But then, oh, so okay. you've got the kids so wait, wait, who can't on, do magic. On. Yeah, no, yeah. guys, I'm ready. Hold on. <laughs> what, what would happen when a squib shit their pants? <laughs> squibs can't go to Hogwarts because if they don't have magical powers, they can't be taught. Mom, no, 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 Mom, no. Did you see what I, I did? Oh, that's no. what we do. <laughs> no, in Good Hogwarts, they used to shit their pants because they didn't have traditional bathrooms installed for many years because they didn't need it because they would just make make it go away in their pants using. Magic. No, Joe has a point though because if. <laughs> There yeah, was so a possibility. What about a squib? Yeah. No, but you're talking about kids. The kids in class would do that. So, so, so they had not toilets in the at class. home. But he wouldn't know what a toilet is. He's from the magical world too. He would just shit I his pants, know, and his mom would take care of it when he's like 23 years old. Yeah, you just got to tweet JK because this is all based on a retcon tweet that she made for some reason. JK she felt the need to tell us this. <laughs> hey, squids you know what I always think about though? Squid. <laughs> Joe, you know what I always think about with the squibs? The bus driver character in that Disney superhero movie Sky High who's like all of my family members were super powered too I just drive the bus that's me I just drive the bus yeah yeah it's the worst man you gotta eat like burger jelly beans shit your pants and you can't <laughs> you even live like, in this fly magical on a broom world, or nothing but you he can't even maybe has a magical cat is Miss Norris magical can no, she do tricks cat. The cat's but, name oh, is Miss just Norris. A normal Miss cat? Norris, yeah. But speaking of Filch, I gotta say I love the actor that plays him. I forget his name, but I know him basically for two things: this and Game of Thrones, where he plays Walter mm. Frey, the perpetrator of the Red Wedding. You might remember. Mm-hmm. Um, just a crazy old guy, character actor who uh, <laughs> he's in a lot of those. Parts. <laughs> he's in Broadchurch yeah. as well. Yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. Ah. Broad so pitch. good job, Filch. Um, but Hagrid is the grounds or the gamekeeper or the groundskeeper. So he takes care of the plants and the animals that are on the grounds, right? Mm-hmm. And that and was he's Hagrid's just thing. unlicensed. That's what you're saying. So he's he's, he's not just, allowed he to do magic, do magic, but he can still he take care can't. of magical animals. But he was already be- okay. he was always better with animals anyway when he was in class. So he just always had a fondness for magical animals, giant spiders, and all kinds of stuff. So. He just loves all creatures of all shapes and sizes because he's a big, lovable guy. Yeah, and we follow the spiders in this one, which uh, good mm. advice. And sometimes, yeah, he always has good intentions when he says, like, follow the spiders, but then he doesn't realize that Aragog, you know, he treats Aragog, Aragog treats Hagrid differently than he would treat a normal person, and he accidentally sends Harry and Ron basically to their death. So <laughs> good job, <I'm> Hagrid. <laughs> sorry about that, Potter. And are either of you guys uh, arachnophobes at all? Did it bug you to see Aragog? I, I am. I, I was more, when I was younger, I did not like spiders at all. Uh, I had pet snakes, so I was never never a problem with snakes. Uh, I'm the opposite of Indiana Jones. Yeah. I always thought I would Why be a partial have to be spiders. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So um, I always thought it, was cool to, it would be cool to be a parcel tongue and speak to snakes, but 
spiders, too many legs, too many eyes, not a fan. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Very concise feelings on spiders there. <laughs> yeah. Snakes, no legs, good. Spiders, too many legs, bad. bad. Got it. All right. Pretty simple. That <laughs> right? yeah, makes sense. Were snakes like the, right the dragons middle. of Redwall? Were they just like like monsters? <laughs> I don't think there's in, there is any snakes in Redwall. Uh. But the, the the animals were very, you know, good. There was Mammalian. good animals and there was bad animals. So all the rats and were bad, but all the mice were good. So it was very stereotyped like that. Too. But all mammals, never like cold-blooded. Yeah, all mammals. All right. Well, it's a little selective if you ask me. Stay tuned for our red wall. <laughs> <episode>. <laughs> yeah. It's a little red wall minute. Just in the middle of Chamber of Secrets here. All right. We're back on it, though. Um, we said the founders, we talked about them for a little bit. We get a little more in depth and stuff. Uh, the sword of Gryffindor appears in this. Now that's again, something listeners keep an eye on that. If this is your first time watching these, I don't know why you're listening to us first <laughs> just to finish the movies, please. Best way to I've go heard in. good things about these, these Harry Potter movies, but I'm going to check out my favorite podcast first for their opinion. <laughs> They're not going to be able to stop thinking about Filch's pants shitting. <laughs> or, I, I'm still stunned by uh, the fact that the cat's name is Mrs. Norris and Colin's first question mm-hmm. was can I get pregnant using that <laughs> well hey, can I get pregnant with polyjuice potion and do squibs shit their pants these are questions we need yes. answered JK yes on, JK. we're asking the hard hitting questions here on normies like us <laughs> that's right uh, um, yeah, so we I, I do like the Aragog scene, though. It reminds me of another series that was coming out at the time, Lord of the Rings, which has their own giant spider, right? Shelob. Um Yes. So, uh, but Aragog, just the idea that that Hagrid, he doesn't see monsters as monsters. He just sees them as pets, basically, and, and creatures to be taken care of. So he can't judge the difference between a normal pet and a giant spider that eats humans. He's our prototype for, like, Newt's commander's, you know, character. Oh, totally, later, yeah. Right. Him and Newt would probably be real good friends. Oh, they could talk for hours. But you would build a school next to a place called the Forbidden Forest? <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, they're very hands-off professors. They kind of just let, <laughs> they throw you into this world where some things are evil, and they're just like, hey, figure Harry, it out. Harry, did I explain tenure to you? I got it after my first <laughs> year, you see, and I really don't have to give a shit. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you, Professor yeah. Dumbledore. And Dumbledore, who everyone says is the best wizard of all time, kind of just disappears throughout Harry's adolescence at times. Doesn't isn't a great mentor to him throughout some of his, you know, career. And later has this whole speech about how he regrets letting Harry down and being a shitty mentor. So pretty Full funny. Circle. Time timeline wise, with everything that we know now, you know, with all the post info and these other movies, blah blah blah. Jacob, is he disappearing to go have sex with Johnny Depp? Is, is That's all like done, right? He's in jail by this point, right? Yeah, Grindelwald, which we will see, I think, in the last movie because Voldemort goes to uh, Grindelwald's jail cell and I think like tortures him and kills him to try to question him. Yeah, but, um, yeah so Grindelwald is the big the big evil wizard from before Voldemort's time. Right. And he is now in some jail cell far away, but him and Dumbledore were friends as young men, Jude law and Johnny Depp or whatever. And, uh, they, the, you know, the subtext was that they had a relationship, but, um, yeah, they had a little blood jar. Blood pack. <laughs> I got a blood pack with a couple of you guys here, but we're we're not that friendly. That's the only reason we could start. Yeah. The, uh, the baby on the way. Right. Well, 
<laughs> I just kind of want to know if that's what's going on. I guess we find out later he's disappearing because of the horror crux stuff, but we're, well, in we're later just not years, there yet. Yeah. Huh? After, um, you know, Voldemort comes back in the flesh in Goblet of Fire, and that's when things really kind of change in the wizarding world, where he's out in the open now. Right now, they're kind of in the shadows, and all the Death Eaters are kind of hiding, like mm-hmm. the Malfoys and all these people. They're kind of allowed to still be protective members of society, but they're just like, yeah, we used to be, you know, Nazis, but um, it's cool. We oh, all yeah. have a tattoo oh, no, no, no. It, but oh, you know, just Jacob, ignore that. Yeah. We still let them do their march with their tiki torches. There's <laughs> nothing we can do about it. We all have to put up with right. their fucking assholery. Right. They keep saying, you know, muggles will not replace us. It's very strange, but um, they're probably mm-hmm. fine. Well, they Don't keep saying stop that. the count. <laughs> <laughs> Dracula is nowhere to be found. Um, yeah. yeah, but well, I'm just saying, yeah, you got, there's waiting in the shadows. And again, we're kind of slowly peeling back the, the, the identity and the mystery behind Voldemort who we met in the last movie. And so we get the Tom Riddle mystery with this diary. He framed Haggard as we find out for opening the chamber of secrets, but you know, they're running the school. They know that there is a chamber of secrets, but they don't know how to access it and or protect people who do. It's it's, it's really <laughs> right. Bad. But then a Look, thirteen year old kid kind of figures it out yeah, pretty easily. I'm the superintendent of the entire school, and I do not know anything about it. Or well, that's kind of the thing with Hogwarts. Is there is a lot of um, there's a lot of secret passages and rooms. That should because be a it's manual. a magical pas- magical castle, right? So there's all kinds you know. of hidden secrets throughout the years that well, not even Dumbledore knows. Well, they magically got past the the safety standards, you know, checklist <laughs> and allowed to be open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah magically. Uh, you mentioned his name, so let's go ahead and bring it up. Tom Riddle. Uh, this is this is maybe the first time I ever saw an anagram in my life or had mm. the idea of jumbled words explained to me. So Tom how does it Marvolo stand Riddle. for you guys? Tom Marvelo Riddle, I am Lord Voldemort. That's what it is, Jacob? Yes, which is kind of a mm. you know convoluted um, anagram. You would have thought he would just make an anagram that would spell Voldemort, but or I don't know. But. Yeah, <laughs> you, you would think, or, or I'm not even positive why I am Lord. Okay, well, I've got that part done. Let's see what the rest of these letters spell out. I'll probably just go by that. No one will right, say it right. anyway. Um, but I do like um, Voldemort's whole backstory is actually pretty interesting because, and they'll go into it in the later movies, he was a, you know, half half magical, half muggle-born. So his, his dad was muggle, his mom was a witch, um, this is another reference to Hitler, by the way, who was like half Jewish. So, um, that's kind of an interesting mm, parallel. thing there. Um, and just the, the, the similarities that Harry notices between himself and Voldemort. But then there's that great lesson that Dumbledore gives us at the end, which I, I think it's really great for kids, even if it's a little obvious, but it's like, it's not, you know, who, you know, I forget exactly the quote, but it's like not how you were raised, but it's the choices you make as a person, right? So the whole thing that separates Harry from Voldemort is he didn't want to be in Slytherin. He wanted to be a good guy. So he said, you know, put me in Gryffindor. So that's really, it's about the choices you make in life that defines who you are as a person.
Because you're right, we find out Tom Riddle is kind of the star student of Hogwarts in the same way that Harry was. He was obviously an incredibly powerful magician even then. We see his relationship with uh, Dumbledore, who's not the headmaster. He's just a teacher at the time or the defense head of Hogwarts the dark, house, maybe. He's, yeah, and he's also the defense oh, against the wow. dark arts teacher at the time. Really? Yeah. But Dumbledore Boy, is the, the only one that... the dark arts. Red flag yeah. right there. But Dumbledore is the only one who didn't, who saw through... Uh, riddle and because he was kind of the prefect he was the perfect student he was handsome and everything he was charming so he fooled everybody except for dumbledore because he's the smartest most best wizard now headmaster <laughs> i found an interesting book in the library it's titled eugenics it's like oh <laughs> yeah like okay there's some red flags with this kid yeah yeah, yeah. i do not trust um but again we'll, we'll see more later because dumbledore is actually the one who first goes to Tom Riddle as a kid and tells him he's a wizard and all this um, because he's he's in an orphanage and all that. But we'll get to that in like the fifth or sixth movie. But I just think it's it's very interesting the parallels between Voldemort and Harry. Obviously, they're linked through a bunch of different ways, um, which will come up over and over again throughout the series. The fates, duel of um, the fates, the duel of fates. Right. This this oh, is, oh. so. How is this Star Wars? Um, Giant snake. No, that's that's uh, Rise of Star Wars only. Um, so we get again Tom Riddle, the whole mystery with the diary, right? And this kind of Harry writing to him and getting the responses. That's kind of a cool little like magic thing. Um, I love device. this movie this time watching it, guys. I just got to throw that out real quick. Like, Mike, exactly what you're saying. Him writing in the diary and it talking back and ended up being like a force ghost at the end that sort of like directs a, a snake at him and there's like a sword <laughs> battle and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like every scene in this. I'm like, it just gets wackier and wackier. I know we weren't looking forward to it, but I really enjoyed my viewing of it. I did, too. Like I said. My impression was that this is the one I didn't like the most. I, I liked the least, but then I actually quite enjoyed watching it. Um, but I'm also very excited to watch next week and uh, and so on. Um, so I think they're, they're only going to get better from this point. Yes. Well, what do we I think about so. the Gilderoy uh, betrayal? Obviously, um, he's an interesting character. I think I I didn't like him when I was younger. I didn't like, but I, I appreciate what you know, what the character represents now. And I think Kenneth Branagh does a good job. Um, when I was younger, I was like, this fucking guy's like, I don't like this guy at all. He's all just a fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but he's like, yeah, the funny thing is that he's, you know, the one good thing he's good at is the memory charms. Right. So he's just tricked a bunch of wizards into telling them their stories. And then he, obliterates their memory and then just takes it as his own. But then he's about to do the same thing to our heroes. Right. And right again, Wand's broken wand backfires. Yeah. So defense against the dark arts being shitheads. It's just, I just want to underline that. Yes. But the next one has the, the next one Mm -hmm. has the best, the only good defense against the dark arts teacher is next movie. Spoiler. (laughs) On Gilroy for just a second, Jacob, Book-wise, as we go through blah, 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 all the other ones, are there ever any Easter eggs that are like, you know, yeah, uh, local or old celebrity is still in hospital, you know, can't remember, blah, blah, blah. Is there ever a mention to him again, or is he just kind of swept away? Yes, there is, actually, in In the the books. um, Specifically, I remember a scene where, um, so in Order of the Phoenix, I think, or Half-Blood Prince, um uh uh Mr. Weasley is attacked by Nagini, I think. This is when, you know, the the 
Death Eaters are out in the open now, um, mm-hmm. and he's and they're like guarding certain like rooms in the Ministry of Magic. Um, and so Mr. Weasley is attacked, and Harry sees it in a dream because he's like connected to um, Voldemort through his dreams later, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and so they go to the hospital to visit Mr. Weasley. And I'm not sure how much is, of this is in the movie. It might have got some of it got cut out, but they go to the hospital, and not only do they see Neville visiting his parents, who were basically tortured right. into craziness by um, one of Voldemort's followers, they also see Lockhart, who is in like the mental ward, basically, and because his memory is gone, and so he doesn't remember them. But it's like this like weird moment where they're like, "Oh, Professor Lockhart." So yeah, that does come up. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Lasting effects here. Chilling. Uh, what about Basilisk? Does that hold up? I think uh, I, I always thought it was cool as a kid. Like you said, Colin, a sword fight, giant snake, Fox brings the sword to him, you know. Very I think cool. that's a cool Mike, ending. Mike, you're kind of my bestiary pal as we are both fellow sort of DMs in the Dungeon Master world and stuff. Couple of Hagrid. Basilisk. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Basilisk versus a cockatrice, right? Which are both these petrifying, instant kill, almost kind of a Medusa, right? You know, with a mm-hmm. look of the eye. Kind of never my favorite monsters. How about yours? I like Medusa, like that idea of a petrification um, power, like as far as mythology goes, running them in d and I don't know, but um, I like the Basilisk more. Than the cockatrice, and you know, there's basilisks and demon souls and stuff. But this one has a oh, yeah, gaze that annoying. kills you outright, it only petrifies you. Yeah, you know, all the petrified people were due to, yeah, reflections. So if you look it in the eye, you'll you'll die like moaning myrtle, right? Um, but what I do like about you know, the basilisk, the phoenix, and later like hippogriffs and different animals like that, a lot of them are based on real, not real, but real myth mythology right so basilisk Mm -hmm. is a thing and she took real things like spiders are scared of it and stuff like that um from mythology so i like that kind of blending of these real world you know legends into the wizarding world uh jacob this is kind of a long spoiler because we do return to the chamber of secrets in a in the last movie right they ron literally i think it's ron literally runs down to get another tooth they have just left this motherfucker there. Nobody has cleaned up the decaying corpse. They're like, let's go get another tooth that worked on that diary. Right. Now, what yeah. are you going to do? Get a squib to go do it? You got Mrs. Norris and Fletch? <laughs> you got a guy Fletch. who shit his pants and his magic cat are trying to sweep up a, uh, yeah, a dragon, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that troll is just still chilling in there, too, from the first movie. <laughs> right. Hogwarts like I said, you know, smell so bad. Everyone talks about how Dumbledore is this great wizard, but it doesn't seem like he's a great headmaster in the way that he kind of neglects certain duties of the school. But not a great administrator, that's for sure. That's the... But things are just different in the wizarding world. Like there's just more danger inherently. I'm and... actually much better at parent-teacher conferences. You see, that's where I put all my chips. <laughs> it's like, oh, great, cool man. Yeah. He's better as a teacher because he had more time to focus one on one with his students. Now that it's the whole school, he's lost focus right. a little bit. But it's really just well, here. You got to understand the Quidditch schedule. I keep an eye on that too. It's all about the precincts and stuff. There's a lot to headmaster. I think if I was a student at Hogwarts while Harry was there, I'd be kind of pissed too because I'd be like, man, 
Dumbledore like really picks favorites. He like really likes this Harry guy. I don't think he even knows my name. Yeah, I've never um, even met him is what I would say. <laughs> I'm just some random Ravenclaw, but I I want to have one-on-one yeah. talks with the headmaster too, but and he's always my best friend's a ghost. points in the great hall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. You clear favoritism. Well, and the great yeah, thing gotta, about it is, is like the real world, the, you know, the favorite in high school just grows up and becomes a cop, doesn't have an extraordinary <laughs> right. adulthood. He's, he's very mediocre. Yeah, yeah but he, um, you know, he becomes more, he's, he's basically a detective, right? He's an or, so he's not just a normal beat cop. He's like, he's going after bad wizards. So I think it's a little, he's, he's a, he's enforcing parking rules and, uh, <laughs> giving out tickets for brooms. Now, do you know does. how low you were flying on that broom, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a 20 foot elevation zone. <laughs> yeah, no, but like in the wizarding world, like it is weird that like, that's the most he inspires to be is like, to be a wizard detective, to take down the bad wizards. Um, you know, there's so much more you could do in the wizarding world. And Hermione also becomes an order. Um, Ron, I forget. I think she was president of the world. She doesn't become the minister. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I think she becomes, well, first she becomes an aura and then she like runs for minister of magic. Um, I forget what Ron does. I want to be Fred and George Weasley who just open up a joke shop. Hell yeah. That's what we're doing with our lives. We're selling pranks. Hey, you say that. I noticed this time on this watch, Fred and George are in the background during the big kerfuffle uh, where the one Quidditch team fights the other and then uh, Ron you know, makes himself start throwing up slugs. Those two twins, if your brother and his friends are getting bullied, they just stand there and watch it the entire time, you little assholes. Go they get have more. They have more lines in the books in general. Like They kind of get some of their lines cut for the movie. Um, same with like Ginny and Neville and all, all these tertiary characters. Um, because, you know, obviously it's already 200, two hours and 40 minutes. So how much, you know, can you really have in the movie? But well, hold on. Let's keep talking about the social structure here because there's another guy I want to call out professor Snape. Now we know where his story's going. It's the hot and the cold of it all. Right guys. We're still following that trend with this one where it's like, is that guy a good guy? Eh. Right. Eh, oh, I guess he proves it at the end. Yeah, and you know, we know his story and why he's going to end up doing stuff. When he's doing that uh, duel with Gildart or Gilroy, Gilderoy. he fucking. Gilderoy. He doesn't Gildart. have to. <laughs> Gildart, shut both of you quiet. <laughs> he doesn't have to set Harry Potter up to fail by making him face his school bully in front of everybody. He's still, you know, no, even if we know that he's like, hey, I loved your mom. I'm still a jerk to you. Like he's still yeah. like he's an asshole the entire time. Well, There's that's no the redemption. Thing, is I never agreed with the Snape is completely redeemed crowd by the end because essentially, so Snape was a Death Eater at one point. He was a follower of Voldemort. It's only when Voldemort says, "I'm going to kill Harry's mom, Lily Potter," that that is the sole reason for him to betray Voldemort. So he. Still believes all the same things that you know. Uh, no, no, I took that. my mega flag down, Jacob. But <laughs> right, you right. killed your cousin because you went out without a mask and because of coronavirus. Well, hey, but I don't believe in any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> right. So he does become a double agent for the good guys, but in doing so, I mean, he was still, you know, he was still in the Hitler Youth, basically. Um, and he does it all because he's basically an incel who got rejected by <laughs> Harry's mom. So we find out later that. 
James Potter, Harry's dad, was like actually a huge jerk in school, and it's kind of mm -hmm. I, it's an inversion of what Harry's been told all of its life because he actually sees him in a memory, and he's basically the jock bully of the school who bullies the loser Snape. Yeah, he's he's Biff. Yeah. Um, but to bring it full circle to what Colin's asking, it's like when he's throwing Malfoy up there, could he just be? trying to get harry to stand up to his bully the way he never could stand up to james potter well the thing is so he, like that mike it could Thank be you. but i think he does have this um you know he is protecting harry at all times but he's doing it in a way where he still resents harry for even existing because harry they always say in the books harry looks like his dad except for his eyes he has his mom's eyes so every time snape looks at harry he sees his school bully who married his crush, but he sees the eyes of his crush. So he hates Harry, even though he protects him, he still hates mm. him as a person just for existing because he's like, Ooh, you know, I, I should have had a kid with your mom. So it's a little, <laughs> it's a little fucked up. I, no, 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 I get it. I love it. That's all incredibly complex and super interesting. The modern day equivalent is a gym teacher. Who's like bullying your freshman sister, <laughs> like because of who you are you right. know, in the, in the normal context, you're like, you just got to grow up, man. Like you just got to leave my sister alone. Yeah. yeah it's like, don't take out your problems on me just cause you hated my dad and everything. But, um, that's what it is. So, um, He's still, you know, siding with the Death Eaters on a lot of things. Like, obviously, he's still close with the Malfoys and all that. But he's also, unbeknownst to them and to Voldemort, he's giving information to Dumbledore the whole time. Um, but as a person, I don't think he's fully redeemed and that he's a good person. And no one's a good or bad person, right? Everyone's mix of grace. It's all so. about the choices you make is kind of what I get from this film. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But um so he did good things, uh but he I you know, I wouldn't say he's a good person. All right. Got it. That's well then. I mean, yeah, but you see there's there's he definitely plays more to the I am not a good person um in these early movies. So it right. is kind well, of hard to read into that again, feature like text. Everyone in Slytherin is evil to some degree and he's the head of Slytherin house, right? So um, it's just but so from my point that... of view, the Gryffindors are evil. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. But just the fact this, that um... in the wizarding world, these people are allowed to be just outwardly evil and it's like a full quarter of the wizarding population. It's just evil and everyone just kind of lives with it. It's interesting. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Also, this movie and all of that drama with Snape like really just solidifies that in the wizarding world, like, High school really is like where everyone peaks. It is that is right, the, right. the world for these people. And literally the yeah, epilogue you college Snape? of the series. <laughs> like, Snape, right, didn't is, you um, see a girl at like a bar ever? No, just <laughs> yeah. that girl you went to school with. Haven't you ever got even Harry? Suck, dude. Harry and all yes. his friends Snape, all marry their school love interest, right? So it's you know Harry and Jenny are married in the epilogue. Ron and Hermione are married. Um, and it's like, you didn't meet anyone after school. It's just your, your, your <laughs> friend from grade school that you ended up marrying. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're really kind of like Mormons. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the wizarding world is quite yeah. small. I literally actually, don't know anybody that is married to their grade school crush or girlfriend. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> like barely, I barely know anyone oh, who married their high school. Also their sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Their best friend's sister who happens to be, you know, their wife now. Um, but well, I don't she know. was another person who existed, and I saw her, and she wasn't related to me directly. 
Yeah, she was around. You don't need to be reintroduced to the audience. I either. can literally think of one <laughs> one person that I know of that's my age that married their high school sweetheart, and that's it. And literally everyone I know, you know, that just doesn't happen, right? Because you move on, you go to college, you you have later life experiences. So, not when you're a wizard, <laughs> things are just different. No, in the it's a very world insular community. So it's <laughs> like all very. We shit our pants and we don't exist outside of high school. <laughs> well, and you we kind of also like outsiders. You kind of also see that in the opening where they're like, this is Diagon Alley, but that one street is the bad street. Stay right, that's the there. bad. But they, like, all Jesus Hogwarts. they all yeah. had to have graduated Hogwarts because there's one school. Right. So, of course, a fourth right? of the street is just going to be bad. Yeah. Right. And in the books, <laughs> Harry true. actually, um, they kind of cut this out of the movie, actually, but Harry lands in this shop in Nocturne Alley, and he actually overhears Lucius Malfoy talking to the um, uh, the shop owner. And he doesn't understand it at the time, but it's a lot of foreshadowing for later events. So they kind of cover that when Lucius meets, you know, the Weasleys later. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, Nocturne Alley is allowed to exist. That's where all the evil wizards are. Nocturne if you're seen there, Alley. people will think wow. you're up to no yeah. good. There's a I want to know of, more about that. <laughs> there's a yeah. bunch of guys like Colin drinking poly juice and trying to turn tricks <laughs> on Nocturne Alley. Probably. Uh, Joe, where is that at the Universal? Where is the extra street that they add on full of bad guys? Yeah, they it's need to there. cater to the, it's there. the slithering crowd. Oh, is yeah. it? Oh, wow, really? Yeah, no, it's there. Um, and it's like darker lit. Like it's 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 actually like you walk into oh. a building and then it looks like you're like it's dark there. Um, okay, and there's a couple nice. storefronts and that's like, you can get like a Death Eater mask prop and like shit like that. What? <laughs> Joe, tell, yeah, tell another, cause you didn't, you didn't really go into it last time, but you went to the one in Florida that has the bigger world. Cause it's got the Diagon Alley attachments. It's got the other stuff. Mm. You were telling us some like SFX, you know, if you want to turn a water fountain on, you point your fucking wand at it. Like that just sounds yeah. incredible. Dude. Yeah, like there are there are different points where like so so it has the train to Hogwarts where you go through nine and whatever three quarters, three quarters. You know, yeah, you know something nine and something. Oh, oh man, take it man. seriously, Joe. It's a very serious name. You walk um, through the wall, Joe. Yeah, you walk through the wall. Um, oh, you know, like okay. you squeeze through the wall with like thirty other people getting on the train at the same time, and then you sit on the train and. uh the windows are like screens, so you see like Harry and the fucking Dementors and all that shit. Uh, what? So like one of the parks is Hogwarts, and then the other is Diagon Alley. And there's, you know, the the prank shop is there, and the wand Get shop out. is there. And there's so if like I go into, I go into Ollivander's, yeah. and John Hurt's just there. They, there's an actor yeah, who will be like, I, I think you want this. Let me, let me do this. And then there's certain areas where if you stand on them and you have a wand that you bought at the park, you can like flick it and like water will shoot out or shit like that. Oh, there's butterbeer cool. everywhere. Like, yeah, I mean, it, dog, it slaps. Like, okay. It was so super on cool. the list that we will be doing for this podcast, we'll say is one day when Star Wars World reopens, we're going to go get our lightsabers well, and then we're going to go right to fucking Harry Potter World and get our goddamn wands and robes, guys. That's, I would love to mm-hmm. do that. And like, we could still go to the California one. I, I think it's probably not as good, but it's still like Just something. no Diagon Alley, I guess, right? Yeah, it's, it's half the size. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. but they have. Yeah, but yeah, the two things I've wanted to do for a while now is go to Galaxy's Edge and go to fucking Harry Potter World, and I haven't done either. God damn! And I know some Dang. some friends of the pod. Ex Kaido went to Galaxy's Edge without me. He didn't tell me he was going. So 
Damn. I had the chance, but before COVID happened. Gotcha. Well, the Wizarding World sure sounds fun at the old Universal Studios <laughs> Orlando. But do we have any final thoughts on Use our Harry promo Potter, code. the Chamber of Secrets? I think you're right, Mike. Let's go ahead and fly over there. Um, I just got this book. It's got a sock in it. I don't know what that means, but we'll talk about that the second we get back, and we'll give our final thoughts, too, on Chamber of Secrets on Normals Like Us. We're back. We're here. We're talking Chamber of Secrets right now, Normies. We're finishing up uh, talking the second book of the Harry Potter universe. Uh, we'll give you our final thoughts now, but we kind of covered it all. I'll, I'll, I'll just jump in. Guys, what I loved was the confidence of this movie, uh, to talk about the movies for a second. The fact that it just cloudy shot, first image, John Williams' score turned up to 10. Like, Hell you yeah. feel them knowing what they have at this point. It's like, oh, look, course. that first one was a fucking hit. We're going to make 20 more of these. <laughs> like, let's let's just show it off. It's so polished. I love it. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the first one did a lot to set up the world, introduce all the characters. This one, you already expected to know all that stuff, so it just drops you in. And it can be more polished. And I think the effects look better. Um you know, it's a little, it's a little darker, you know, there's death is, you know, a, definitely a concern, like, you know, people could die. So it's like getting a little more adult, um, but it's still, you know, based in, in for still for kids, but. Does this book suck, Jacob? I kind of remember the first chapter where the grandma visits the Dursleys being so long and so turning me off as a kid. Oh, but no, like you're you thinking just said, of. The third. Oh, book it's that's where, not this one. Oh, yeah, this okay. one is okay. The, the, his boss, uh, Mr. Dursley's boss. Like they're trying mm-hmm. to impress him. Oh, the next one is that's like the right. aunt. Yeah, and Dobby just keeps showing up. That's that is what the grift is in this one. But the mystery element of it all. I this is the one where I'm like, I don't know. I feel like this was the book you would show a kid. They it's like boxcar children, but like you said, people die in it because <laughs> of a giant snake, and you're like, well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and I think the first. The first book is definitely the worst book because that's before she knew that it was going to be a whole series. She didn't have it planned out. This one, the world building's been done in both the book and the movie. So now we can just expand upon that world and it's better. Yeah. And I think the the, the central mystery is really good in this one. It kind of keeps you guessing if you haven't, if you don't know what's going to happen, it, it is kind of mysterious. So I think it does a good job at that. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's all the little pieces coming together. I think the next book does a really well, a really decent job of that as well. But yeah, it is a uh, Thanksgiving week. And these more than anything to me are Thanksgiving movies, if that makes sense yes. to anyone. Uh, I don't have any claim to back it up. They just feel like Thanksgiving movies. So it's a perfect time to rewatch. It's a perfect time to watch along with us. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to here on out because these movies actually do get Pretty fun and pretty exciting, and I know we got a lot of nuggets that you guys who have read the books are going to be able to pull for those of us who haven't. So I'm excited oh, yes. to learn more about it. It's going to be a, it's going to be. It only goes up from here, so that that's exciting. Mm. Totally. That is a great check-in, though, Joe. As the guy who you were like, oh, I'm kind of drudging through these. Has it? It hasn't hit that point. I mean, this was not a slog for you. You did like it. 
Yeah, no, because we're at the point where like, look, I, I gave all my problems with it in the first episode. Now I'm just along for the ride. Maybe a snide comment Hell yeah. one or two here. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. So they'll be fun. Like I said, yes. Thanksgiving, perfect time to watch these movies. Yeah, I think of them as Christmas movies, but I think you can lump Thanksgiving and Christmas just the general holiday time of year, right? Hanukkah. Okay, here's my theory That's on that. That's what retailers do. Thanksgiving <laughs> movies are Christmas movies that you just don't like as much as movies you consider Christmas mm, movies. Okay. And I originally like that, these yeah. movies were coming out in like November, December. Eventually they switched to like a summer model, which didn't make any sense. Um I think Star Wars works better released in December. I think Harry Potter works better released in December over the the summer blockbuster model. I mean, you got to have holiday movies uh, for sure. And, and, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas are kind of lumped together. I would say Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is the greatest Thanksgiving movie. But this movie Ah, has planes. That is good, Mike. If you count staircases as a spiraling plane. It's got um, cars. And then it has automobiles and trains. It's got flying cars. So this is the same movie, basically. Um... I just uh, like this more than I thought, like it more than the first one. And I was just intrigued by the amount of dangers allowed to run rampant at this school. Even when they're playing Quidditch, the crowd itself is like, why doesn't this structure collapse as the bludger is smashing through it? Like this is. <laughs> it's a very dangerous game for kids to play. I mean, keep the crowd for it's like an MMA fight. If there was no cage and they're just standing in the middle of a group of people. I don't know. Right. And the <laughs> fact that you can go off the like course that. and go under the bleachers and stuff and, and, you know, if Harry or Draco hit one of those beams, they could die, you know, going at that speed. So, yeah, just put like a magical barrier between the crowd. I don't know. I'm not in charge of this. Contact the Ministry of Magic. But yeah, the next couple I'm really looking forward to. I have been enjoying these more than I anticipated. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Mike, a watch along question for you. Has your partner, is, is she watching these with you? Has she seen these before? Does not care about Harry Potter <laughs> wow, at all. What? Not at all. Interesting. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. I have some words with her. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm all, I'm all by myself. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're enjoying them. Um, Me too. Like Joe was saying, there's definitely, I think, no offense to Chris, Chris Columbus, who I think is a, a very good children's movie director, Home Alone, obviously. Um, there's a pretty big step up in directors between this one and the next one. I mean, Alfonso Cuaron... Um, easily the most accomplished in terms of his body of work of any of the directors of these movies. Um, so I'm very excited for the next one. Commonly known as like the best movie, right? That's kind of accepted um, knowledge. So very excited for that one. But I did enjoy this one a lot. Um, just going back to it, just the nostalgia. Uh, it can be, it can get overwhelming because it's something I watched a lot as a kid. So um, even though they're not perfect movies, I'll still always just really enjoy them. They're cozy, but a caveat for Alfonso yeah. Cuaron is it's a lot easier to build off of something with a strong foundation than to start it from scratch. So I do give Chris Columbus credit for totally. creating this world. Um, no, I think he really yeah. made the world come to life. Um, what's interesting is there's a very big kind of stylistic change where these still feel like very kind of generic fantasy, magic, wizards kind of aesthetic, whereas... The next one, I think the universe really kind of comes into his own on an aesthetic level of like having its own identity where it's not just like generic witches and wizards, but it has like its own flavor. And I think Alfonso Cuaron was a big reason why. But we'll get into that next week and I think it'll be fun to talk about. Mm -hmm. I'll be full of turkey by then. 
Hey, and we hope you are too, listeners. We hope you're cozy right now listening to these cozy podcasts, watching what I agree with are incredibly cozy movies. But uh, reach out to us. Let us know if you're following along for all of our, uh, Jacob's got to say it, Harry Vember. Harry Vember Potsimber. It's it's so easy. Or, it rolls right off the tongue. You had no. You're like, saying um, it at home. Magical fantastic Novembers. <laughs> no, fantastic Novembers in December to find them. Even though we're not doing those movies, I think that's genius. I don't know why also, we just I think about uh, Harry Podcast. Like it's and right based there. on the schedule, <laughs> I think we're going quiet, Mike. a that's couple weeks easy. into January, so we got to include that somehow. But uh, sh- quiet, quiet. You guys are all blowing the system. Uh, but we know you aren't normies. Keep following along. Let us know that you are. Use our contacts at normies underscore like underscore us. Not to suggest episodes, because it's going to be a minute until you need to do that, but just to let us know what you're thinking of the old Harry Potter. Do let us know. Their pants. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. pants. Bug JK. Can you Figure get out these answers for pregnant us. pregnant? As a man who drinks Polyjuice Potion. <laughs> um, and also let us know if you want us to cover the Fantastic Beasts movies after we do these. Because yes. we're not planning to at the moment, but we, that can always no. change. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we've done I the Grindel much, cut wall. We just got to do uh, yeah, the first one. Wow. I think I'd rather eat glass than uh, watch Crimes of Grindelwald again. <laughs> I'd rather so. watch glass than watch the Crimes of the Grindelwald. Yeah, and that's but pretty bad. Yes too. to both of those boys. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, thanks, Norm. We're going to ride our broomsticks out of here. We love you. Bye. Happy Happy Normsgiving. Hell yeah, this is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around. Do you think they got one of them jelly beans that's all Thanksgiving food? A full turkey, cranberry juice. Yeah, Thanksgiving. The one's a fucking fart, Joe, or it's like (laughs) grandma's face or something, and you're like, oh, I hate this. Right. A terrible idea. Every flavored beans. What are you doing, wizards? <laughs> Shit in their pants. <laughs>